how many of you ready to jump into our message this morning? And this is really hot off the presses for me. I've been mulling this over for a while, uh, but uh, here we go. It's called the Night Singers. Everyone say the Night Singers. I want you to turn to two, two passages, two books, Acts 16 and Philippians 1. Acts 16 and Philippians 1. And I'm going to lay a pretty good foundation uh, here in Acts, and then we'll go to Philippians and learn some things from Paul the Apostle because he, he was one of the original night singers. Uh, it was a duet, uh, but uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. So Philippians 16, let me just kind of overview this, pa- this. I would love to read the entire thing. Uh, uh, let me just kind of overview. Are you ready for a little overview? Then, and then we'll get to the meat of the message. You look down in verse 6. Uh, Paul the Apostle is endeavoring to follow through with what God wants him to do, to bring the gospel to every nation, every person. He's, he's, he's on missionary journey. In verse 6, interesting thing, he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And so God, that's a pretty stout uh, you know, way of saying, don't go there, but it was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. So, uh, what, what's happening, uh, in verse nine, he has a vision and the vision got, how many of you know when God says don't go here, it means he's got somewhere else, something else he wants you to do. And he had a vision in the vision. He heard, uh, a person and someone, a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so they headed to Mass. In fact, it says they headed straight to Macedonia. Let me just say, when God tells you which way to go, you just need to get going. Amen. Everybody say, get going. Uh, you you want to go in the right direction, but he got the direction from God. And so they headed that way. In fact, verse 11 said they ran a straight course. They got straight into the middle of the will of God. And so they got there and, and in verse 12 says, and from there they went to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And then on the Sabbath, they had heard that there was a place down by the river where you could go pray. That sounds it's kind of fun to me. Let's go have a prayer meeting down by the river. How many have had some prayer meetings in some unusual places? I used to have prayer meetings. We'd go out in the country with me and my buddies right out of high school. I went down memory lane yesterday looking at some of my old high school stuff online and things, and it made me kind of sad because a lot of my f- friends and people I went to school with are already either in heaven or, you know, where else, but, uh, it's kind of sad. It was kind of nostalgic, but in high school, we, we would go out in the country and, uh, we might build a fire or not. We might just put down the pickup bed and have a prayer meeting. Uh, and so Paul, the apostles in Philippi, and they're having a prayer meeting. They run into this woman, uh, named uh, Lydia, who was a seller of purple and she was a worshiper of God, but undoubtedly she needs some, some new Testament clarity about what was going on. And she heard the word of the Lord and she believes she said, y'all need to come stay with us at our home. So they headed there. Uh, and, and so that's how Paul was introduced and began the ministry there in Philippi. And so he's beginning to minister in Philippi and this demon possessed girl who, by the way, uh, the, uh, the people made a lot of money off of this kind of, you know, uh, sorcery and so on and so forth. She was irritating Paul. She was, she was following him around irritating and he gets, finally gets irritated enough. She got what she wanted, but may not have wanted what she got. I don't know, but he turned around and rebuked the devil out of her and delivered the devil out of her and she was set free. And as a result, the money that 
that the uh, soothsayers or whatever made off of her, it dried up and that irritated them really bad. And so now Paul in the middle, God led him right here. And all of a sudden, uh, through supernatural deliverance ministry, he finds himself, he and uh, uh, Silas in the middle of prison. Now you get the picture. Look at your neighbor and say, now we get the picture. Do you know, sometimes when you do good, bad things happen. But you need to understand that sometimes bad things are not really bad things to God. Uh, he's just up to something. We're going to learn that here in just a moment. And now, here we are. I want you to look in verse 25 because here's the night singers. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. All the Pentecostals go, woohoo. All the Baptists go, amen. That's the difference. The Baptists go, well, amen. Pentecostals go, woohoo. All right, here we go. And so they were delivered. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prisoners' doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and you, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. I love that. And now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And everybody said, Amen. That's the night singers. Now, that story would not have transpired the way it transpired unless Paul and Silas, in the middle of their dark moment, in the middle of their night moment, chose to be the night singers. I'm convinced that many of us, in the middle of our night experience, in the middle of our darkest point in life, we can have whatever results we desire, and if we become a night singer... If we'll choose to be a night singer in the middle of the dark places, we'll begin to see God do supernatural things in our midst. And everybody said, amen. And so with that in mind, with that story in mind, now I want you to head over to Philippians. Now, let me stop. Where did this happen? Philippi. Okay, so this is the beginning. This is, I mean, this is Paul the Apostle, his ministry really beginning in Philippi. Now he's writing them a letter because this church in Philippi began to grow and they began to send offerings and blessings. You know, Paul didn't stay there forever. They began to minister to him. And Philippians, he had received another gift from them. Uh, and so it was a, he, he was responding with great gratitude uh, to them. In fact, you go to the end of Philippians, uh, this church in Philippi, he says, and my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, these people were, were responding to Paul the apostle over the course of time with generosity, care, and prayer. And Philippians, though it teaches us some great insight, is a, is a pretty detailed thank you letter. How many of you got that so far? Say amen. The, and they knew 
Paul's history. They knew how he got there. They knew what, you know, and they, and undoubtedly heard the story that the, the, the man in the night and, and Paul's vision that he probably told him, so man, I was on my way to Asia and God forbid me. And then I had a dream. I had a vision in the night and he told me to come to you. Go to Macedonia. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I'm reading between the lines here. I I can kind of see somebody in the church going, that was me. I was praying for help. I don't know. But hey, God supernaturally led him there. And they were appreciative of of Paul being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so I want to give you tonight, uh, tonight, uh, I'm talking about the night singer. I want to give you this morning from Philippians some lessons from a night singer. That's Paul the Apostle and things we can look at and and embrace in our life and we can become a knight. Let me tell you something. There will come a time. Let me just say this. Let me throw this out. Any old Joe can sing a happy song when everything's going great. You know, when everything's going great, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, the Lord has made. My ship came in, I'm feeling pretty good, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Anybody can do that, am I right? But when you're in jail, or when things aren't going the way you want them to go, when in fact things seem to be going in the wrong direction, That's when it's a real challenge when becoming a night singer becomes so important, not only to you. Let me tell you something. God's looking. Let let me just give you the bigger picture. You know, the bigger picture with Paul and Silas, it wasn't just about them. It wasn't just about teaching them how to make it through the tough times. No, it was to bring the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the jailer and to those prisoners who were listening to them. In fact, what the scripture there in Acts where it says they listened to him. Him, that it, it really means this, they listened with pleasure. Let me tell you something, how you respond in life to the dark places, people are watching, people are listening, people are seeing, want to see how you react or respond to the circumstances of your moment. And if you respond rightly and become a night singer, I'm going to tell you, your influence will expand and to the left and to the right. Amen. It's, there's a bigger picture. And so Paul was a night singer, and I want to give you some thoughts just looking through Philippians about things we can apply that'll help us. And, and, and it's lessons from a night singer. Here's one. God uses our trouble for his glory and for our ultimate advantage. God uses our trouble for his glory and for our advantage. If you look in Philippians 1.12, he says this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become more confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What did he just say there? My trouble has turned out, uh, God used my trouble for his glory and his benefit and my ultimate advantage. And night singers have a tendency to lean that way through the heart. They they just realize, hey, whatever trouble I'm going through. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the testings of God and how James said, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall under all these kind of trials and temptations and these tests. How can you do that? Because there's some things you know. And night singers have a tendency to know and understand that, hey, hey, this this hard place is actually going to turn out for God's glory and my ultimate benefit. Are you with me? Say amen. 
In fact, look in Philippians 2.13. Look what he says. For it is God who's working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Somebody smile this morning. Look around, make sure somebody's smiling. I don't know where you are, what's going on in your world, but you can just say, if you're going to be a night singer, you got to say, hey, hey, you know what? God's up to something and he uses my trouble for his glory and my ultimate advantage. And, and guess what? He's at working within me. Something good It's for his good pleasure. And somebody said, amen. Lessons from a night singer. God uses our trouble for his glory and for our ultimate advantage. Lesson number two, God uses others for his glory and for our ultimate advantage. Look what he says here in verse uh, 19. He begins to talk. He said, for I know. He talks about this, this trouble he went through and how it's actually uh, been a furtherance for the gospel. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He knew something about the circumstances of his day that the, the relationships he had built with others would come back to benefit him in his trouble place. That's a Bad thing when you're going to, uh, through a trouble and you've not built one good healthy relationship that'll stand with you through the hard times. And I know some of you might be, uh, you know, you might well preacher, you know, nobody stood with me. Paul knew that feeling, but he didn't let it get him down. In fact, if you read over in 2 Timothy, he says, man, a lot of people left me. A lot of people did, but, but in this scenario, he begins to, and you read through Philippians, he begins to talk about people who helped him. He says, you're going, hey, this circumstance that I'm in, and in fact, he was uh, evidently in prison at this time. I know you're going to pray for me and it's all going to turn up okay. And then he begins through this book. He begins to talk about people who helped him. Listen, there's others that God wants to raise up around us. In fact, we may need to be somebody's other. You need to understand that. Paul, he talks about about Timothy in first second Timothy 19 he said I trust to the Lord Jesus in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged then he says for I have no one like-minded who will no nobody else like-minded who will sincerely care for your state and he begins to talk about how Timothy benefited him and then he talks about Epaphroditus everyone say Epaphroditus he talks about Epaphroditus in the last part of chapter 2. And he says, man, this guy, he served me so well. He, he almost died helping me fulfill God's purpose and, and coming alongside me. And then if you go on over through Philippians, he goes to Philippians chapter 4. And he talks about some women. Verse 3, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Listen, understand something about your life. Understand something about being a night singer. You got to realize other people, you got you to put yourself in a place where you realize, you know what? Even if I feel all alone, I'm not alone. I've built relationships with others who stand with us who pray with us. Paul, the apostle, hey, listen, if you didn't have any of that, it'd be hard to be a night singer. 
And then finally here, one thought, and then I'm going to tell you some things night singers know. God uses his spirit for his glory and our advantage. If you go back to that Philippians 1.19, he said this. He, he said, you, I know your prayers are going to help me. But then he says this. He said, and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this part. How many of you know Jesus said this in John 16? He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he said this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, read John 16. Then the Holy Spirit won't come, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to help you. Paul, the apostle right here is tapping into that. He said, I know your prayers and the Holy Spirit abiding within me is going to work this all out. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, I believe God wants to raise up a whole new generation of night singers. Because here's what I believe about the world we live in. I don't know, I, you know, I don't know the future uh, in detail, but I do know this. According to Scripture, it seems to me that uh, in the last days, the darkness gets darker, but the light of God gets brighter. And so we need to understand something that all of us at some place, sometime, some way, are going to have to step up to the plate, be a night singer. And in the middle of our darkest moment. Lift up our prayers and our songs to God. Amen. Night singers. How many of you want to be a night singer? Who you better be. He said, well, I don't really want to go through that that Paul went through. All of us on some level are going to have to apply the principles of being a night singer. In fact, let me ask you this question because I'm going to, I'm going to share with you some things that, that all night singers end up knowing in their heart. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about being a night singer personally? I've had to be a night singer. In fact, uh, I, I, I've had to be a night singer over and over and over in my life, and, and it's a choice. And I want to tell you, this is what we need to know as God's people. If we choose wrongly in the hard places of life, not just us, but other people around us will suffer. Other people won't hear. Other people won't see. So it's bigger than just you and me. Tell your neighbor it's bigger than just you and me. Tell them it's bigger than just you and me. Now, let me tell you some things night singers know that they just know some things. And in fact, what does the scripture say? Uh, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Listen, you might get destroyed in the prison, in the dark places of your life. If you don't know some things about what it means to be a night singer. And they just know some things. And I want to show you some things that all night singers know. Number one, here they are in Philippians. They know this. God is always working behind the scenes. Somebody say that God is always working behind the scenes. Look what Paul says here. He says in Philippians 1, 6, he begins this. One of the first things he does, he starts talking about his confidence in God. And he says this in verse 6, being confident, catch this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And if you wanted to go to second, uh, again, to second uh, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, God's working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You know, listen, when you're going through that dark place a, a, as a night singer, you know, even when I don't see it, even when I can't comprehend it, even when it seems like everything's going in the wrong direction, God's doing something. He's up to something behind the scenes. Night singers know God is always working when it seems like nothing is happening. 
That's what night singers know. That's what helps them sing. They're singing not just in hopes that God would show up. They're singing because they know that God's not only going to show up, he's already right there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, listen, David was a night singer. I'm, in fact, you Google, you Google David and then read through the Psalms. Man, he sang through the dark places. He had worshiped through the dark places. He was a night singer. In fact, uh, uh, I did a little Googling. I can't remember the scriptures, but there's a few Psalms where he said, he talked about songs in the night. You give me songs in the night. You're my song. And, and I'll sing you songs in the dark places of life. Night singers know God's always working behind the scenes. And night singers not only know that, but they have a much higher perspective about life and death. Night singers know to live is Christ and to die is gain. Night singers know that this is a temporary abode that we're all in and that all the things and all the circumstances and all the problems and all the pain and all the sorrow and all, you know, all the issues that we go through, it's only temporary. And Paul the apostle said when he began to uh, jump into the, his heart for these people, he said, you know what? There's something in me that would like to just go to heaven. There's another part in, in me that would like to stay here and help you. But I, man, I'm telling you, he, he's getting hungry for heaven. And he says this, this is what night singers know to live is Christ. And if they kill me, it's just gain. I'm just gaining heaven. I'm gaining eternity. Night singers know, Hey, if, if it just turns out where this is the day that I, that, that my life on planet earth is over, glory to God, it's great gain for me. Are you with me? Say amen. Somebody say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Night singers know that. They have an eternal perspective and, and it leads us to the third thought here about what night singers know. They know that our earthly losses are actually our heavenly gains. The more we lose in this life, the more we gain in that life. They know that. You, you and I should know that. In fact, look what Paul said in, in Philippians chapter three. Turn over to Philippians three concerning his earthly gains, verse seven and eight, he said this, but what things were gained to me, speaking of this earthly gain, I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish that I might, what? Gain Christ. You see, the night singers understand that the things of this life, the good, the bad, it's all temporary. In fact, this earth will melt with a fervent heat. Night singers know that all the things that I'm trying to stack up in the earth, if I'll just lay them down and give them away, I'll gain him more and more. Less of me, everyone say less of me and more of him. That's what night singers know. Our earthly losses are actually our heavenly gain. And that leads to number four, and they all blend together. Night singers know this world is not our home. Look what Paul said in verse 20 of chapter 3. He said, for our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait 
for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Everyone say lowly body. That it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. They know I'm not a citizen of this world. Listen, we're citizens of God's kingdom. His eternal home. This world is not my home. That's what, that's what night singers know. And then let me give you one more. Night singers know that a lifestyle of worship equals a lifestyle of liberty. A lifestyle of worship uh, equals a lifestyle of liberty. And as we saw Paul and Silas there in Acts 16, they began to pray and sing, sing hymns of praise to God. How could you do such a thing? How could you, in the middle of that place, how could you just let her rip tater chip and know that, hey, I'm just going to give him all the glory in the middle of your darkest place of night? It became because Paul had some understanding about how those kinds of things tend to take care of themselves when we just worship. In fact, if you read through Philippians, you would find out that Paul was always rejoicing about something. Everybody go, ha, ha, ha. He was rejoicing. It was his lifestyle. And he from experience had learned that if you'll just in the middle of your dark place, give him some praise and give him some glory, it would ultimately turn out for your liberty and not only your liberty, but others around you, those that are hearing you, those that are watching you, those that hey may even be in charge of you, you can influence their life. And if you go through Philippians, you'll discover this. He just, in fact, verse 18 of chapter one, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He goes on in chapter 2, verse 18, and he says, For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. He's just rubbing it all over him. This attitude of gratitude, Philippians 3, 1 through 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of the dogs. Beware of evil, evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And then in Philippians 4, 4. One that you may have sang a song to if you've been around very long. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. My friend, that's a lifestyle. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. It becomes, it became his lifestyle. Night singers just do it. That's just their lifestyle. And if you look down in verse 10, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. He's just a re he's rejoicing in the bad places. He's rejoicing in the good places. It is his lifestyle. Let me just tell you this this morning. God will shake heaven and earth. For a bona fide night singer. 
someone who just in the dark places just chooses to rejoice and worship and magnify the name of God. And so today, I don't know where you are, but on some level, I bet all of us are at a place somewhere at some time where we need the night singer to rise up on the inside of us. I want to tell you something. For many years, this old preacher has tried to be a night singer. Not always been the greatest. Sometimes I've stood before you with a smile on my face, but inside I was struggling. And just like you, I've been in places in my life where the challenge to be a night singer was so strong and so so overwhelming. And I've told you about how I heard about my father's tragic death in the middle of a revival meeting in our first church, our first ministry, and I found out my father was killed in a plane crash, and that tragedy overwhelmed me. Not that I've always done this, but I ran to my room while my wife, Beverly, was in the hospital, pregnant with Laura Beth, shriveling up to nothing because she was sick. And I ran to my bedroom, I fell on my face, and I began to worship the Lord. I can tell you on that day I was a night singer. It's not always been the case. So I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're going to be, but I can guarantee at some point, on some place in there, all of us will need to be bona fide night singers. I believe God's raising up a generation of night singers in the dark places of life, the praises of God begin to arrive. Yesterday afternoon, I was in prayer and I plugged up into my little phone and little booster speaker my friend Dave Bell who is in heaven been in heaven for a number of years now he began to lead me in worship he began to just and man I'm telling you all the cares of my life just began to I got friends who are in heaven still helping me how about you? Let's stand together.